Welcome back to the Joke Show here on the Dion Family Network, episode 24. We've got week 8 of the NFL season and the MLB Awards. Let's jump right into it. First game up on the Sunday, uh, Buffalo Bills take down the New England Patriots, something I don't think a lot of us are used to hearing. 24-21, not really an impressive game. On either side, I think, I mean, Cam Newton, 174 passing yards, had that game-deciding inter- er, uh, fumble, Josh Allen, 154 yards in the interception, just kind of, I mean, for a 24-21 game, it felt like a lot lower scoring, the Patriots just don't look like the same team, the Bills are now 6-2, and two. this is, I don't think, what a lot of us were expecting. But I mean, they're six and two. They've got Miami nipping at their heels, and they already have a win over them. So for Buffalo, it kind of feels like they're gonna kind of—I don't want to say cruise to this division win, but it doesn't look like they have too much holding them back. Next up, we got the Cincinnati Bengals with the upset of the day. They take down the Tennessee Titans. 31-20, uh, uh, forgot about the late touchdown. Joe Burrow, I mean, impressive day, 26 for 37 passing, 249 yards and two touchdowns. <clears throat> Ryan Tannehill, even in the losing performance, 233 yards, two touchdowns and interception. I think it's funny to look at Derrick Henry's numbers and say, oh, it's not not as good. I mean, 18 carries, 112 yards, and a touchdown. I'm just pretty sure it's just not what we're completely used to when it comes to Derrick Henry. I mean, Corey, even Corey Davis, if you, if you just look at these numbers, Corey Davis, eight receptions, 126 yards, and a touchdown. It kind of looks like the Titans win, just numbers-wise, but the Bengals actually held on to the lead. They scored no scoring in the third quarter, but Two touchdowns in the second, two touchdowns in the fourth. They just kind of kept Tennessee at arm's length the whole time. For Tennessee, this isn't this by no means is panic time. I mean, we're right at the NFL trade deadline right now. In terms of the playoffs, they're looking like they're going to they're going to be in the thick of that division race at least. Uh, they're only ahead of the Colts right now, also at a five and two, just based on. Uh, winning percentage versus the division. Obviously, Indianapolis lost that week one game to Jacksonville. But, I mean, for the Bengals, this is just, they're 2-5-1 now. Joe Burrow looks really good. Next year, if they give him a better offensive line, I think this team could really, really challenge for a playoff spot. And that division, aside from the NFC West, I, I don't know how you say the AFC North isn't the best division in the NFL. Next up, the Las Vegas Raiders take down those Cleveland Browns, 16-6. This was the weather-filled game. Uh, One touchdown scored in the fourth quarter, Hunter Renfro. Other than that, we had five field goals. Not a really entertaining game. It's funny, Baker Mayfield actually outpassed Derek Carr, 122 yards to 112. Josh Jacobs, 30, 31 carries, 128 yards. 
for the Browns, and apparently they're shopping Odell. Obviously, now they'll have to wait for the offseason to make that move. They're a playoff team. They're at least going to be in the thick of that playoff race, especially right now they're the seven seed. Vegas and Miami, both a game back, but also Cleveland hasn't been on their bye yet. So Cleveland 5-3, and three, Vegas 4-3, and three, and Miami 4-3. and three. So all, all in the thick of that race. For Cleveland now, if Cleveland goes on by and the Raiders tie them, they now hold that tiebreaker over them. And not to just, we're not, I'm not harping on Baker because this is just a weird low scoring game that can't really just be chalked up to him because he's obviously blown some games before. But I just don't think you're doing anything in the playoffs with him, with Baker. That's just, to me, when I watch him, that's just what I think. Next up, a game I thought would be a lot closer. The Colts take down the Lions, 41-21. Phillip Rivers, less passing yards than usual, but just kind of held it together. 262 yards and three touchdowns. Matt Stafford behind the whole game, 336 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. It's it's a Matt Stafford kind of game. This Lions team just really isn't good. They're 3-4, and four, which I think is... A lot better than most people would expect, but a disappointing game for the Lions. Definitely defensively give up 20, give up all their points in the second and fourth quarter. Just really can't have that. Naheem Hines, three receptions for 54 yards and two touchdowns. That one pass, I I was watching that game as it happened, and it, I thought Phillip Rivers threw, threw it like 10 feet over Naheem Hines' head, but he dropped it right on his numbers and two touchdowns, and a uh, very acrobatic Naheem Hines. He does kind of, uh, actually, I don't know, the, he jumps and flips and spins. It's it's pretty impressive. It got the attention of Simone Biles, a really popular uh, U.S. gymnast. She, she was impressed by it. And, I mean, for an NFL player to do that in pads, it's, it's impressive for sure. Next up, Minnesota. They take down Green Bay. 28-22. I don't think a lot of us saw this coming. This really, if anyone chalks this up to Kirk Cousins, they are ridiculous. 160 yards passing for Cousins, a touchdown. Aaron Rodgers tries to bring them back. 291 yards and three touchdowns. Not much you can really do. It's funny, this whole, all scoring in this game is done by two players. Devontae Adams catches three touchdowns, all three Aaron Rodgers touchdowns. Dalvin Cook, 30 carries, 163 yards, and three touchdowns. I don't even think that really does it justice, especially because then he catches a 50-yard pass from Kirk Cousins, or a 50-yard touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins. Two receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. That's combined over 200 all-purpose yards, four touchdowns. 32 touches that's that's how the Vikings win games they're at two and five now I think they have too much chasing to do to really threaten for a playoff spot I don't know what like Kirk Cousins is he really your answer a quarterback there's a few of these teams that going forward are they really the answer I think the Colts fall into that category too but big win for the Vikings and for the Packers come back strong the next week who do they got this week Thursday night at San Francisco and 
uh, San Francisco. We'll get to them, but that's that's not looking great. Next up, uh, just absolute blowout. Kansas City. They take down the Jets, thirty-five to nine. The Jets don't score a touchdown. They kick three field goals. Mahomes, 416 yards passing and five touchdowns. That's absolutely insane. Travis Kelsey, eight receptions, 109 yards and a touchdown. This Jets offense is just, this whole team is just awful. They just, they can't play football, especially against a team with the quality of the Chiefs. It just, it really wasn't a contest. And it's too bad, but these teams are both in the opposite directions. There's not really much to say beyond that. Next up, the LA Rams. They lose in Miami to the Dolphins, 28-17. It felt like it should have been a bigger blowout, especially Goff, 355 yards passing, a touchdown and two interceptions. There were a few fumbles there. Just that second quarter, uh... Andrew Van Ginkle, 78-yard fumble return. Jakeem Grant, 88-yard punt return. And a Miles Gaskin, one-yard run. Touchdown run. Tua didn't have to. He got stripped stripped by Aaron Donald on, I think, his first snap of the game. Obviously not the first snap of his career, but he finishes 12 for 22, 93 yards and a touchdown. This week they play Arizona. I'm just... It makes less sense now. Obviously, they got points elsewhere, and the Rams turned the ball over so much. Now they sit at five and three. Miami's four and three. I just I don't get why. What the move for Fitzpatrick did for them? I I just don't think they looked better, and they won because of defense and special teams. It's not really because of Tua, and I like Tua. I think he's going to be good, but I just think this wasn't really a good time to see him develop. Next up, one of the games of the day for sure. Lived up to the billing. The Steelers, they are 7-0. and Yeah, they're 7-0. and 28-24. I think the big story of this is Lamar, but beyond, beyond that, Ben Roethlisberger, pretty just numbers-wise pedestrian day. 182 yards passing and two touchdowns. James Conner, 15 carries, 47 yards, and a touchdown. It was a very, like, grinded-out game. Obviously, the Ravens are more run offense. J.K. Dobbins, 50, 15 carries, 113 yards. Willie Sneed, five receptions, 108 yards. I just found that really impressive. Um, Lamar, 16 carries for 65 yards. Gus Edwards, 16 carries, 87 yards. This is a run-heavy team that's still missing uh, Mark Ingram. He's been missing for the last few weeks. Lamar, again, the real story of this one. 208 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions, four sacks. I think this is more, at least to me, it's about the Steelers' defense being that good and shutting down Lamar. But obviously, in these big games... He really hasn't shown up. I don't want to say shown up because he almost brought them back. They had, they were on the game-winning drive, but ultimately not enough. I don't think this is time to freak out. I know everyone went back and said, look at his six most important games. He's 0-6. I 
if you're the Ravens, it's not time to panic. You're not going to win the division now, most likely, unless the Steelers really falter. They have to win that uh, Thanksgiving game now, which has become a lot more fun. It could be the Steelers getting the one seed. could be Baltimore coming back in the division. Just just don't panic, Baltimore. And Yannick Ngakwe, who they got from uh, Minnesota, who was traded from Jacksonville, kind of bounced around. It's his first game. I think they need to give this team a little more time to, or this defense a little more time to gel together. Next up, what a what an amazing game, and hopefully a, a great for the future of the AFC West. The Broncos come back. They take down the Chargers, 31-30. Drew Locke throws that game-winning touchdown pass. It looked like he was out of bounds, but managed to keep it in. Uh, KJ Hamler, as the time expired. Kick the extra point, one-point win, 21 fourth-quarter points for Denver. I think for the Chargers, that's they're two and five. This is unacceptable, especially for this isn't Justin Herbert. 278 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Drew Locke, 248 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. This is just a quarterback duel and a young quarterback duel that I think, or at least I hope, we're going to get to see for the next decade. I mean, for the Broncos now, they're three and four. The Chargers are two and five. They're both not really playoff teams, but I think if anything, this could fuel the Broncos possibly making a run. Because I mean, if we look at the playoff standings right now, Pittsburgh seven and zero, Kansas City seven and one, Buffalo six and two, Tennessee five and two. Uh, Baltimore five and two, Indianapolis five and two. So Tennessee, Indy are close. Buffalo or uh, Baltimore kind of seems like they're set in that five seed. It just depends who really out of Buffalo, Tennessee, or Indy gets that four seed. Where Baltimore is going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. I think that's going to be a good test for them. Cleveland five and three, Vegas, Miami four and three, and then Denver three and four. That's about where it ends because Cincinnati, the Chargers, and the Patriots are all two and five. Texans, Jaguars, one and six, and the Jets, zero oh and eight. I think it really. St- I think the Broncos are really the last team at this at this moment that really has a chance. I mean, we could see a Joe Burrow run to the playoffs. I think that'd be really fun. The Chargers doesn't seem as likely, although they do seem to have more weapons. The Patriots just don't look like the Patriots. It's really just you have to rely on Cam, although they're also talking about trading anyone. I don't think it was everyone. It was just anyone, which to me was, I don't want to say insane, but it just was, it was kind of crazy to think about this team's really just going to blow it up now. Next up, almost, almost a pretty big upset. The Saints beat the Bears 26-23. Drew Brees, again, they just this team just doesn't. They're five and two. They're still chasing the pa- or the Patriots. I was thinking of Tom Brady. They're still chasing the Bronx or oh, who can I can't remember teams. The Buccaneers. They're chasing the Bucks. Who we'll get to on Monday night. The Saints team. They need Michael Thomas back. I think is obviously the biggest thing. Drew Brees, two hundred and eighty yards, two touchdowns. Almost got a pass by Nick Foles, 272 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. 
for the Saints. This is this is why we kind of I know there's offensive player of the year, but it should at this rate it's Alvin Kamara, twelve carries, sixty-seven yards, and then had nine receptions for ninety-six yards. He was their leading rusher and receiver. It's kind of he feels like Le'Veon Bell when he was on the uh, when he was on the Steelers that he doesn't feel like a running back. He feels like a wide receiver that can also run the ball. It's it's too bad. I mean this, and for the Bears, they're five and three. They're chasing the Packers. They're most likely at this rate going to be in a playoff spot unless they really falter, but. I don't know how you have faith in this team just because their defense is really good. I don't think that was ever a question. It's their quarterbacks. And would you rather have Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky? This is where I come back to pitching my idea about just have Mitch start the first half. And if he plays well, you keep him in. And then bring in Nick Foles. Just treat them like bullpen, the bullpen in baseball. Who's playing well at a singular moment? The difference between them is you can go back and forth if you really need to. Teams are doing this. The Saints are doing it with Taysom Hill, although teams like the commentators really get mad about Taysom Hill coming in for even a play. I don't know. I just think for Drew Brees, it's good to get a breather. I don't know. But next up, Seattle. They take down the 49ers. It felt like it was going to be a way better game on paper. This Niners team is just the disappointment of the year. Not even because they're they're not bad. They're four and four. Seattle six and one. But for San Francisco, you just look at their injured reserve. We assume George Kittle is probably done for the year now. Jimmy G. I don't know why you would bring him back because I don't really think they're going to be a playoff team at this rate. Richard Sherman, Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Solomon Thomas, just. So many just blue chippers on this Niners team that just that are just out. And it should be a way more fun playoff race. But I mean, Seattle, what what do what do we think I'm gonna talk about? Because yeah, I guess we'll talk about the Niners. Nick Mullins, two hundred and thirty eight yards and two touchdowns. Pretty impressive. DK Metcalf just really imposed his will in this one. 12 receptions, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. But, of course, the real story, MVP Russell Wilson, 261 yards and four touchdowns, had a not-so-strong week against Arizona last week on Sunday night. But, hey, he pulled it together. And Russell Wilson MVP train. 6-1 and one Seahawks. They could be the one seed, really. Next up, Sunday night, what a snooze fest that's kind of mean but the eagles take down the cowboys 23 to 9 to me that really just kind of solidifies the eagles as the division champion i know it's early to say that but look at the teams that are chasing them i think the giants are the second best team in that division and they just we'll get to them after this game but man it's just this division sucks ben denucci 21 for 40 180 yards Carson Wentz, 123 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. This game was a turnover battle, and really, I liked what the Cowboys were doing in the first quarter. Run these trick plays. If you're not as confident in your quarterback, just run these weird plays. Run triple reverse 
uh, options, have your quarterback be a lead blocker. I just thought it was smart, and then they just kind of went away from it. Zeke doesn't look the same. 19 carries, 63 yards. I mean, the real, uh, probably the best, most fun story out of this game, and for this year, really, for the Eagles, is Travis Fulgham. Six receptions, 78 yards, and a touchdown. That's that's really, I don't want to say fun. Like, it just is good that the Eagles actually have a receiver they can trust. Um, again, this division is bad. We'll, let's get to the Giants, but it's almost, we. It's just, why can't we just take out this division or just make them play a playoff game against the next best wild card team? You can have the, the, the division team can have the home game. Just do a week 18. And if the Eagles can beat, let's see, if they can beat the Bears, the Rams, they can beat either of those teams, then sure, you can keep your division spot. Otherwise, there's a playoff team we're missing. Uh, Monday night, the Bucks really escaped the Giants. And I think this, obviously, this isn't a good year for the Giants. They're looking at a high draft pick. They're 1-7. and seven. They're in all these games. They just can't figure out how to finish, which is where I think someone like Saquon Barkley makes the difference. I think if Saquon is on this team, I think they legitimately might might have won this division, especially because it's wide open. Tom Brady, 279 yards, two touchdowns. Daniel Jones, 256 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. If, if people are really thinking Daniel Jones is the future for the Giants, I'm kind of want to walk back the statement I just immediately made because I just don't think he is a franchise quarterback. I think you draft someone and see if they can beat Daniel Jones, give him some competition, see if he can beat a rookie. I know he's still young, but he doesn't make smart decisions. And especially when you look at Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, even Tua, they make smart decisions. And Daniel Jones just really isn't that. The Bucks had to come back. They didn't really look great. They're down 14-6 at the half. And they really, the Giants, the only reason this game really felt like it should have gone to overtime, especially with that two-point conversion. I don't think it was pass interference. I think it just, like, just, I don't want to say accidentally hit his arm, but I don't really think it's... Uh, Antoine Winfield's fault that he's turning his head because that's really the thing about pass interference is that as long as you're turning your head and not just focusing on the player if you can track the ball that's really what matters for the Bucks, you just you're happy you accept this win I'm not happy because I took the Bucks to cover this spread I thought they'd blow them out but now I think I'm, I think this game made me realize that the Giants are going to be in these games and they're putting big spreads just to try to lure you into thinking how bad of a team they are. Not that they aren't bad, but like this week. Are they going to buy this week? Uh, no, Monday night. Oh, my God. Monday night, New England, New York. Obviously, we'll get to on the Friday, Saturday episode, whichever, whenever it is. We'll get to the Sunday games. Thursday, I do not think it's going to be fun. Green Bay, San Francisco. San Francisco's decimated. Green Bay really might just blow them out. But that's really that's kind of going through the playoff picture the whole time. San Francisco and the NFC, I guess. Seattle six and one, 
Tampa six and two, Green Bay five and two, Philly three, four and one. And then those are your division leaders. New Orleans five and two, Arizona five and two, LA five and three are your wild card teams. Apparently they're talking about even adding another playoff team. Uh, uh so the Rams five and three they were ahead of the Bears because they beat the Bears. Bears are also five and three and then San Francisco four and four, Detroit three and four, Carolina three and five is kinda to me where the playoff race kinda ends. Even Carolina and Detroit are stretching it a little bit. Washington, Minnesota, Dallas all at two and uh Washington, Minnesota two and five, Dallas, Atlanta two and six, New York one and seven. And they've been in most of their games, which is why it's a pretty although the records don't really show it, it's a more competitive conference than the AFC. Alright, that's that's it for the NFL. Obviously next episode we'll talk about those games for next week. Uh let's go. The MLB uh announced their award finalists, which I mean why not? Let's let's just go through and pick them. Uh, let's start with the manager of the year in the NL. It's Don Mattingly, who brought this team back from they lost 105 games last year with the Miami Marlins. They went 31 and 29 this year. They made the playoffs. They beat the Cubs, and I think they beat them two out of the three games. Or like it's a best of three series, and they won both the games. Uh, they had the COVID-19 outbreak in the first week of the season. They used 61 players throughout the year in 60 games. And funny enough, I don't know if I talked about this when it actually happened, but until they lost to the Braves, Miami, again, the Marlins franchise, had never lost a playoff series. Every time they were in the playoffs, which is, this was their third time in the playoffs, they won the World Series, which was pretty cool. But it was just a fun it was a fun team. Not really anything crazy beyond that. Uh, David Ross, which former catcher, now becomes the manager. Uh, he was the 2016 World Series hero. They went 34-26 and 26 this year, and they won the division. They ended up losing to the Marlins, but again, this is all regular season awards. Uh, finally, another third first-year manager that is... Uh, Jace Tingler, uh, the Padres went 37 and 23, best single season winning percentage, obviously 60 games, not as impressive, but their first playoff appearance since 2006. And this is a young team that's gonna, that's gonna be a problem for the next few years. And there's another Padre on this list who made a big impact this year before the year. I said it was going to be David Bell, and obviously not even nominated. This team didn't really make too much noise. It's just I got I got sucked in by the Reds. I think a lot of people did. Uh, right now, though, I don't know how. I would take take Jace Tingler. Mattingly wouldn't surprise me, but I think the Cubs had enough talent that. It's not really... It could have been a lot of people that could have led them to this record. I would go with Tingler, though. Although Miami did lose 105 games, I think the Padres have been a lot less relevant for longer. Uh, In the AL, 
Kevin Cash. Uh, the Rays went 40 and 20. Again, best winning percentage kind of hard to kind of hard to claim. Uh, they finished last in 2016, and every year since they've improved their winning percentage. So, I think that's something something to attest to. Charlie Montoyo for the Blue Jays. They went 32 and 28. They didn't even play at home this year. They played in Buffalo. They made the playoffs. Obviously, they lost to the Rays, but the Rays went to the World Series. So I don't think, again, it's a regular season, but 32-28, and 28, definitely not a bad record. First winning season since 2016. And I almost said Edgar, but Rick Renteria for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, they made it to the playoffs for the first time since 2008, which is a big theme among the manager managers of the year. Best winning percentage since 2005. They went 35-25. and 25. They really should have been hosting playoff games, but ultimately lost to Oakland, which, speaking of Oakland, I picked Bob Melvin of the A's to win manager of the year. Obviously not even nominated, but I'll go. I see it's tough. I think because it's a regular season award, I think I'll go with Rick Renteria with the White Sox. He brought a pretty young team to the playoffs. Got them some at-bats, some experience. Although none of these picks are by by any means bad. bad. They all have their own reasons. Renteria brought a pretty bad team back to the playoffs. Montoyo, his second year, brought a, a similar to Renteria, a young team to the playoffs. Kevin Cash, obviously, they went 40-20. and 20. They were the number one seed in the AL and ultimately went to the World Series without a real superstar, just kind of a balanced all-around attack. All right. Uh, let's do Rookie of the Year. Uh, in the NL, Alec Baum from the Phillies. He played in 44 games, four home runs, 23 RBIs. Again, the average and stuff I don't really want to talk about. He was the third overall pick in 2018. Nothing nothing beyond that. Jake Cronenworth on the Padres. Uh, four home runs, three stolen bases. And he just kind of played everywhere in the infield for the Padres. Again, the averages and stuff, winning percentage is kind of hard to do in a year like this. And then Devin Williams. He had a pretty dominant for a 26-year-old reliever. One earned run over 27 innings, .33 ERA. Uh, he struck out 53 batters in his 27 innings. I think that's pretty good criteria before the year. Uh, I took Carter Keboom. I thought the Nationals would be a lot better. Clearly not. I'd probably go with Devin Williams. I think just the resume alone, obviously, two of these guys were in the playoffs, but the Brewers never really had a chance against the Dodgers, and the Padres ran into the Dodgers as well, which we saw the juggernaut that they were. Uh, next up in the AL, Christian Javier, who stepped in for the Astros after they lost Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, had a season-ending injury. He went 5-2, and 3.48 ERA, 12 appearances, 10 starts. Just a solid guy, solid performance all around. Stepped up in the playoffs as well. Not really much to say. It, it was a high point for the Astros that they had someone like that. Uh, Kyle Lewis from the Mariners, first-round pick of 2016. 
11 home runs, five stolen bases, and a very impressive Grand Slam robbery of Ramon Laureano of the A's. That's kind of his resume. Uh, And Luis Robert, he signed a six-year $50 million deal before he even played a game. He had a 960 on-base percentage, 10 home runs in 33 games. He had 31 RBIs. And obviously, with the White Sox, went to the playoffs before the year. Actually did take Luis Robert. Uh, I'll stick with him now. I mean, it's one thing that I can hopefully be right about. I'm not going to complain about that. Uh, Next up, the Cy Young Award. Trevor Bauer, obviously, with the Reds, went 2-5, 6.39 ERA. At the beginning of the year, uh, then 1.73 ERA, struck out 100 batters over 73 innings, one run or fewer in eight of his 11 starts, and struck out at least 10 batter, 12 batters in four of them. Uh, sorry, the 2-5, and five, 639 ERA was from last year. And then came back, obviously, better year. He's now a free agent and looking to cash in. You Darvish, who a few years ago looked like he would be a future face of the league, really stepped up this year. Uh, he went 7-0 and with an 0.98 ERA over seven starts from July 31st, obviously the beginning of the year, to September 4th. Uh, the next few outings weren't as strong. He finished 8-3 and on the year, 2.01 ERA, 93 strikeouts in 12 starts. Finally, looking for the three-peat, Jacob deGrom. Uh, he had a 2.38 ERA, 104 strikeouts, and he struck out 24 batters in the first in the two starts after a rocky September 16th start in Philadelphia. Uh, he did have a hamstring spasm in Philly. Again, it's it's hard for deGrom. I think it, him winning the last two years is pretty impressive with the run support that he gets. But before the year, I picked Jack Flaherty. Cardinals are in the playoffs, but or did they make the playoffs? Actually, I don't remember. But I thought Jack Flaherty would be a more dominant pitcher. I think I would take Trevor Bauer. I liked you, Darvish, year. I think DeGrom doesn't really – I think he's gotten the respect he deserves, but I would go with Trevor Bauer. In the AL, uh, Shane Bieber, I think it's kind of hard to say that he's not going to win, but he led the AL in wins, ERA, strikeouts. That's, a, to me, a good enough resume. Kenta Maeda, uh, he had a dominant uh, .75 whip. Uh, he finished 6-1, and one, 2.7 ERA, 80 strikeouts, and then... He did all of that in just 66 and two-thirds innings over 11 starts. Finally, Hyunjin Ryu uh, went from the Dodgers to the Jays, finished second in the NL Cy Young Award voting last year. Uh, he went 5-2, and two, 2.69 ERA, and 9.7 strikeouts per nine innings. So, I mean, for the Jays going forward, that's pretty impressive. I think Bieber wins this. I picked Mike Clevenger before the year. I picked the wrong Cleveland Indian, and Clevenger ended up getting traded and got hurt. 
All right, finally, the MVP. I think this is a really hard one to pick before the year in the NL. I picked Ronald Acuna Jr. Again, picked the wrong Brave that got nominated. Uh, Freddie Freeman never finished higher than fourth in MVP voting. Obviously now in the top three. Uh, he hit 341, it doesn't really matter. 13 home runs, 23 doubles, and 53 RBIs. Just an impressive year for Freddie. Mookie Betts, 2018 AL MVP, 16 homers, 10 stolen bases, and a dominant World Series performance, which obviously doesn't account for this. Uh, Manny Machado, I thought this was interesting. I, I really thought it would be Fernando Tatis. Uh, he was an important part of that offense. Uh from the 60-game season, he had 16 home runs and 6 stolen bases. Put him on pace for 43 home runs and 16 stolen bases. And an incredible duo with Fernando Tatis. I would go with Mookie. I think depend obviously depends when the voting took place. But for me, Mookie Betts is the second, if not best player in baseball. I mean, second. I'm not going to put him above Mike Trout. Mookie plays in more important games. It's good that he's in Los Angeles now, and they're going to be a contender for the next few years. So those are our in the AL for the MVP. Oh, wait, I didn't talk about AL MVP. Uh, before the year, I picked Matt Chapman. Uh, now it's Jose Breu. He led the league in RBIs with 60 total bases. He had 148 total bases and 19 home runs. Finished second behind Luke Voigt, who had 22. Luke Voigt's teammate gets nominated. He finished fourth in the AL MVP voting last year. DJ LeMayhew, he led the majors. He had a 364 uh, average and just was an impressive all-around hitter and not just a home run threat like most of the Yankees are. Finally, Jose Ramirez, uh, back-to-back third-place finishes in 2017-2018. Had a disappointing 2019, came back, racked up 17 home runs, 10 stolen bases in a regular season. That would have been 45 home runs and 27 stolen bases. Him and Francisco Lindor, I hope they stay together. This year, though, I feel like this is both the MVP races are a lot closer, but I think I would go with LeMahieu just, just based on... His batting, the AL batter is, again, on base percentage 421 and an on base percentage over one. Again, these aren't, no matter what, these aren't bad choices. And it's going to be interesting to see, I guess. Uh, That about wraps it up for this one. Uh, Friday night, Saturday, whenever the next episode is, talk about Thursday night football, preview the... Uh, rest of the week nine, I think we are in the NFL, uh, preview the rest of the slate and NBA will be, I mean, obviously, actually let's check right now. Let's, it is actually the NFL trade deadline. There's always something at the very last second. Um, I remember a couple, like for the last few years, it's never to the same level as, the NBA or the NHL, really. Um, 
Nothing really, yeah, no. Just kind of, there were small deals a couple of days ago. Obviously, it kind of gets overshadowed by the United States election, which was, I mean, happening, has been happening for a while. Nothing really. The NFL kind of, I mean, it's kind of hard. People, teams were making trades before so that they can get guys in their facilities as early as possible. It's kind of a weird year for really everything. Uh, besides that, anything you want to know what's going on in the podcast network, Dion Girls, Pop Pinions, you can find it on our Instagram, Dion Family Network. Everything will be in the description. Uh, you could follow my blog, although we're just down to the NFL now, jack-dion99.blogspot.com. You can look through my predictions. We can all laugh at it together. And besides that, we'll see you next time.